Hello, this is Michael Puente. I'm WBEZ's Northwest Indiana Bureau reporter. It's time for a series we call Curious City. It's where we answer your questions about the issues that are important to Chicago and the region, including, in this case, Indiana. The Hoosier State is sitting on billions of dollars in extra cash. But in Illinois, they're looking under the couch cushions for money to pay the bills. Our question asker wanted to know, how can two states right next to each other be so different financially? Well, sort of like living next door to the Simpsons, you know. Dysfunctional family on the block and we're looking in the window. Well, I suppose Illinois lawmakers do work in Springfield. But this tale of two state budgets, it's a lot more complicated than that. Stay tuned. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by Old Town School of Folk Music with new class sessions in guitar, banjo, singing, and more. Classes available for beginners, advanced, adults, and kids. More at oldtownschool.org. And support comes from the University of Chicago Graham School of Continuing Liberal and Professional Studies Editing Certificate Program. There's an online information session August 13th. Details are available at gramschool.uchicago.edu. Who's the what is going to be when where, where do I why is it how many what is the what <laughs> Welcome to Curious City. I'm Michael Puente. Today our question comes from someone who lives in Indiana but has worked in Illinois. George Brown of Valparaiso works for a steel mill now, but he used to drive to Chicago to work in construction. He recently dropped by WBEZ's Northwest Indiana Bureau in Crown Point to ask us this. Why is it? Indiana's financial status so much better than Illinois's. What motivated you to ask that question? It had been on my mind, and I was trying to work out for myself to my own understanding why the situation was allowed to exist. Now, as we'll hear later, this question is suddenly a hot topic in the Illinois governor's race. But before we answer George's question, it's worth pointing out that he's not the only one who's noticed this situation. And so for years, we've been warning that this underfunding was going to come to a crisis. We're now at that crisis. At some point, the state simply won't be able to borrow any more money. We've gotten ourselves into a hole that while we think there's possibly some ways to get out of it, it's almost at a point where you can't get out of it. Whew, that is bad. Meanwhile, across the state line, it's a much different story. States are battling billion-dollar budget deficits, but Indiana is singing a different tune. Indiana ended the fiscal year in June a couple of months ago with a surplus of $830 million in a string of balance. So why is Indiana in a different position right now than so many other states? Indiana certainly has a lot to offer. That's Michael Lucci with the Illinois Policy Institute, a conservative think tank. He says Indiana's healthier financial outlook has real consequences for its neighbor. Maybe you've seen those billboards along Chicago area expressways. You know, the ones that read Illinois by high taxes. Over the last decade, Lucci says Illinois has lost more than 100,000 residents to Indiana. It does hurt Illinois that we have uh, such a business friendly neighbor uh, right next door because the people in Chicago can look east 30 miles and say, look, there are jobs there. Now, Democratic leaders in Springfield say they are creating lots of jobs. And it's true that Illinois' unemployment rate has fallen for five straight months to below 8%. Then again, Indiana's jobless rate is a two full percentage points below that. Lawmakers in Illinois may keep closer tabs on Indiana than they like to admit. 
A couple of years ago, I used to go to Springfield to cover the state legislature. Once people heard I was from Indiana, they always asked me the same questions. How did Indiana do this? How did Indiana do that? How come Indiana is so much stronger than we are? Mitch Daniels used to hear similar things. The one-time Republican presidential hopeful served eight years as Indiana's governor and, rightly or wrongly, gets a lot of credit for the state's rosy finances. Daniels left office last year and is now president of Purdue University. He doesn't talk much politics anymore, but was happy to revisit his tenure as governor, especially as it relates to Illinois' financial mess. They asked me and I what it was like. I said, well, sort of like living next door to the Simpsons, you know. Dysfunctional family on the block and we're looking in the window. Oh, I have three kids and no money. Why can't I have no kids and three money? So does this mean Indiana is Ned Flanders? Daddy, what do taxes pay for? Oh, why everything. Policemen, trees, sunshine. And let's not forget the folks who just don't feel like working, God bless them. Kidding aside, Indiana wasn't always awash in billion-dollar surpluses like it is now. When he came into office nearly 10 years ago, Daniel says things were bad. The state hadn't had a balanced budget in seven years, by an honest definition. They had the, sometimes they made it by this little trick of putting bills in the drawer. And so they were stiffing schools and universities and cities and towns, uh, making them borrow while they waited for their check. Uh, something I've discovered Illinois has taken to a new level. Was Indiana's situation as dire or as, as tough as Illinois? In some respects, yes. Very similar in certain ways. Uh, the state was, at, was absolutely, by a, by a literal definition, bankrupt. So it had bills much bigger than whatever cash it had on hand. We said, this has to end, and I want to do it as fast as possible. On his first day as governor in 2005, Daniels did something that would be unimaginable in Illinois. He stripped bargaining rights for thousands of unionized state workers. These union agreements wouldn't let you change anything. You couldn't consolidate departments. You couldn't divide departments or reorganize. You certainly couldn't outsource anything if you thought you could get it better and cheaper. But financially speaking, there could be a lot of reasons why folks want to leave Illinois. The $5 billion in unpaid bills the tens of billions of dollars in unfunded pension liabilities for state workers, and the list goes on. Meanwhile, Indiana had so much extra money a couple of years ago, they sent $100 checks back to every Hoosier taxpayer. This year, the state has another $2 billion stockpile. Still, some folks in Indiana say the surplus has a dark side. Tom McDermott Jr., a Democrat, is the mayor of Hammond, Indiana. We do have $2 billion in the bank, and we are in a much better position in Indiana than they are fiscally in Illinois. But at the same time, you know, I think Illinois streets may be in better shape than our streets right now. And I think Illinois is providing better services during crises than we are because they have more tools available. It cuts both ways. To be fair, both Indiana and Illinois received a D-plus in infrastructure spending. That's according to the most recent report by the American Society of Civil Engineers. But McDermott points to this. What's the use of a surplus if some basic services aren't being met? We could expand the Affordable Health Care Act in Indiana right now and ensure hundreds of thousands of additional Hoosiers, and they just refuse to do so. Even though there's $2 billion in the bank, those hundreds of thousands of Hoosiers don't deserve health care like people in Illinois do. Others complain that there's not enough money for higher education 
or Indiana's Department of Child Services. Of course, those same complaints come up in Illinois, too. And just to be clear, Indiana does have its own unfunded pension debt, not as bad as Illinois, but something it has to deal with. In many ways, this is a larger debate about the role of government, which is beyond the scope of our mission. So let's get back to our original question. Why is Indiana's financial status so much better than Illinois? Not only are the problems somewhat worse, but the obstacles to reform are higher in, in Illinois, as I understand it. Mitch Daniel says Illinois' state constitution is only part of the problem. Public, in some cases, was misled. They were told, uh, we can afford those pensions, or, uh, or they were told that, uh, you know, you, you paid for that. But he cautions that what worked in the Hoosier state may not work in Illinois. And let's be honest, the two states are pretty different in a lot of ways. Population for one thing and politics for another. I never preached that our way was necessarily good for some other state. So, no, uh, oh, you know, got a lot of letters and things over time about, you know, come be our governor in California, Illinois, somewhere. That, no, one to a customer is plenty, and I'm sure you got somebody who can do a lot better job. Bruce Rauner thinks he could be that somebody. The Republican nominee for Illinois governor is a big fan of Mitch Daniels. I caught up with Rauner at a recent campaign stop in Chicago. He told me he wants to borrow directly from Daniels' playbook. I would like to do the same thing. Folks who really know uh, operations, that really know tax policy, who really know technology. Rauner says, like Daniels, he wants to bring in executives from the private sector to help run the government. Mitch Daniels over in Indiana... His very first act as uh, governor was to sign an executive order taking away collective bargaining rights from unions across Indiana. Illinois' Democratic Governor Pat Quinn thinks Daniels' GOP playbook should stay in Indiana. I believe in collective bargaining. I think that's the best way to go, and I look forward to working with you on it. So, can Illinois ever get its financial house to look more like Indiana's? to be more like Ned Flanders than Homer Simpson? Mitch Daniels, of all people, says yes. Not only has Illinois come up with good ideas in the past, he says, but he stole one or two for Indiana, like an amnesty program to let delinquent taxpayers pay with no penalty. I got the legislature to uh, conduct a tax amnesty. Indiana never had one. Many other states had, including Illinois. I can remember citing Illinois. It's kind of ironic now, thinking back. I was saying then, hey, look, they had a successful program. On the other hand, Michael Lucci, the guy from the Illinois Policy Institute that's based in Chicago, thinks it's Illinois' turn to take a page from Indiana. Not only do I think we can do some of the reforms that Indiana uh, undertook, we have to. We won't have a choice in the matter. People can walk out of the state and they do it every year. Speaking of choices, this November, voters in Illinois get a chance to decide the future of their state. And who knows, eventually there may come a day when if somebody mentions Springfield, it won't lead to a joke about the Simpsons. Hey, you with the ears. Multimedia producer Logan Jaffe here with something really important to tell you. You just listened to the last episode of this season of Curious City. But 
with an end comes a new beginning. And we'll be back with all new episodes in just a few weeks. In the meantime, head to wbez.org slash Curious City and take our survey. It takes just a few minutes and you'll be doing your part to shape and influence the work that comes out of your radio. And if you miss us in the meantime, we've got 64 other episodes for you to listen to. Subscribe to our podcast and never miss another one again. Thanks for your support, and as always, your curiosity. Reporting for our story came from Michael Puente, editing by Derek John. Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandel, WBEZ, and AIR, with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, understanding and preventing suicide through research, education, and advocacy. Chicago area residents can join the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for the Out of Darkness Chicagoland Community Walk. Registration, information, and support at www.chicagowalk.org. I hope I never said anything that wasn't in reasonable good humor. I never brought it up myself. There's always be somebody like you asking me a question on radio. you got to say something. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.